Salt Company. Salt Company. Can you hear me? You, you can hear me? All right. What's with Robert the Duck? Oh, okay. What's with Bobby the Duck? Is he the mascot? Go Bears? Go Bears? Fall Retreat. Okay, got it, got it. Okay. Um, guys, I can't tell you how happy this makes me to be at Salt Company at DMAC here in Ankeny. Um, I literally walked into Salt Company in 1993. None of you were alive. None of you were alive, and that just kind of blows me away. Um, and, and then actually, I just realized this. Um, it was just this afternoon that I thought, wait, that was 1993, it's 2023. Wait a minute. I gave my life to Jesus 30 years ago at the retreat. Yeah. Is that, that, I'm like, wait, this is a big deal. This is awesome. And uh, so I heard that there were some of you that did the exact same thing. And I just want to say, great job. That's really cool to be able to take that step of faith. I know it's scary and whoever you are out there, but I'm proud of you for doing it. And so, um, guys, uh, we're going to talk about what's wrong with the world, right? Um, have you ever, have you ever asked this question? What's wrong with these people? You ever done that? What's wrong with these people? Like, like ketchup on eggs. Like, what's wrong with these people? Right? Oh, some of you. Um, toilet paper backwards, you know, like coming out the backside. It's like, what's wrong with these? Um, driving slow in the fast lane. What's wrong with these? Chasing a Sasquatch at a retreat. What's wrong with you people? Like, what is that? Wait, what is that? Where'd that come from? We don't know. Just what we do. What's wrong with you people? Anyway, um, what is wrong with the world? That's kind of another, another question we ask, right? Not what's wrong with these people, what's wrong with the world? And we could uh, go really serious about it. We go, what's wrong with the world? What's the fighting in the Middle East about? You know, what's wrong with the world? Um, but we could also get really, you know, whatever, TikTok dances. What's wrong with the world? TikTok dances. I don't know if you know this, but I'm ancient. Okay, I was TikTok dances. What's wrong with the world? Okay. Um, I read an article also that was kind of doing these polls, like, what, what do everybody else think that's wrong with the world? Um, binge watching is okay. Like, you're like, what? That's something that's wrong? We didn't do that growing up because we couldn't do that. What's wrong with the world? Binge watching. I don't like binge watching. Who of you guys like that? Um, we need a Fitbit to realize that we haven't moved all day. <laughs> What's wrong with the world? Um, social media has taken over our lives to the point where we don't know what it's like to not be instantly validated. What's wrong with the world, right? Like, we're so, like, if we post something like, Something has to happen next. And there's something that's wrong. But maybe something more deeper than that. Here's a harder question. Maybe what's wrong with me? You ever thought about that? What's wrong with me? Why, why is it that I treat people this way? Why is it that I always feel this way? Why is it when that person walks in, I always think that about them? What's wrong with me in that way? And I, I you know, want to do the good things. I want to do what God wants. But why, do I, why would I rather just... And you fill in the blank. What's wrong with me? Guys, and I'm telling you, I've been a pastor for 28 years now. And I'm constantly asking that same question of myself. I know God is good. I know what he's done for me. And yet, I still complain. And I still don't have the kind of peace in my own soul. What's wrong with me? Well, guys, we're going to ask that question tonight. 
Because last week, Joe, Joe laid out this incredible reality of what Genesis 1 through 2 is absolutely true. That God is good and trustworthy. True statement. He's good and trustworthy. God created the world to be his dwelling place with humanity. He's come near to us. That's so awesome. It's good and wonderful. And God has created us to expand his good dominion throughout the earth. That's good. That's right. But we kind of just go, yeah, but why does there seem like there's something wrong with the world, with me? Well, guys, that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to ask that question. And so we're going to end up just jumping into Genesis chapter 3. We're going to go, we did 1 and 2, and now we're going to jump into Genesis chapter 3. And guys, some of you have heard this story, and I, I want to just give encouragement to you tonight that I want you to let this story maybe go afresh. Let it be something that you hear maybe for the first time, or at least you're trying to pay attention to think, what might the Spirit of God give you tonight that would help you to comprehend the reality that there is something wrong, that there is something wrong with our souls, is something wrong with those people, and there is something wrong wrong with all of us. So I'm going to read this here. We're going to go 1 through 7, and then we're going to kind of back it down, and we're going to go through each of these different verses. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was the most cunning of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, well, we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, but about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, God said you must not eat it or touch it or you will die. No, you will certainly not die serpent said to the woman in fact god knows that when you eat it your eyes will be opened and you will be like god knowing good and evil and the woman saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at and that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom so she took some of its fruit and ate it she also gave some of her some to her husband who was with her and he ate it the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked so they sewed fig trees Fig, fig trees. I get it, Joe. You said that's what I was going to say. Fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Let me pray for us. Lord, um, it's a common story. We've heard this maybe, some of us, maybe all of our lives. But yet there is something that's true here. And it's revealing of really what's wrong. And I pray that you help us to know how do we take what we hear about what's wrong, understand what's wrong, Understand what's wrong with us and then know what to do with that, Lord. So please just give us clarity on this. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. So we're just going to take this apart, kind of line by line. Now the serpent was the most cunning of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. Who is this serpent? Kind of a strange manifestation. Who is this little serpent? Um, God has made all these animals and this snake kind of comes up, slithers up. And, and it has this conversation with Adam and Eve. And we actually know very little of why, why a serpent or what's really going on here. But we just need to know this is the enemy of God that's coming to Adam and Eve to be able to confront them. And so he says this. Let me go back to verse 1. Now the serpent was the most cunning of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? Pause here. One really important thing that we must, as believers, 
is to be able to actually look at something, look at a claim, look at something we're hearing, look at something we've noticed, look at some of the message from media, and to be able to say, is that true? Do you see the question? He said, is, did he really say that? Well, how about we just go check? Let's go check. So let's go back to chapter 2, verse 16. Let's see what happened. Verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for on the day you eat of it, you will certainly die. Okay, so there's the question. The serpent came up and said, you can't eat from any tree in the garden? Is that what he said? What did he say instead? Say it again. You said you can't eat, eat that tree, but what was the actual instruction? It's not that you can't eat from any tree. It's that you are free to eat of any tree in this garden. Do you see what happened there? One small thing, one small word was changed, and he's trying to get in there and change something. Here's the first principle I want you to see. Truth is very specific and accurate. Okay? Let me, let me tell you what I mean. There's no such thing as almost true. There's no such thing as mostly true. If I said 2 plus 2 equals 4.13, is that true? No. If I said 2 plus 2 is 3.9999999, is that true? It's closer. Is it true? It's not. Guys, truth matters. Truth matters. First strategy of the enemy twist and doubt he is trying to get in and make and twist the truth and make doubt come in twist and doubt twist and shout yes sounds a very similar intentional twist and doubt is what the enemy is trying to do with the truth that we've been given he wants to twist it just a little and if we take truth and we take it just a little it does not become truth it's one of his first strategies that we see here. Twist and doubt. So here's Eve's answer. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden. But about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, God said, you must not eat it or touch it or you will die. Well, wait a minute. What was the instruction to Eve? Was there anything that changed in her retelling? Anybody catch it? Let's go back. Verse 16. Then the Lord God commanded them, you are free to eat from any tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of evil, knowledge of good and evil, for on that day you will eat it, eat from it, and you will certainly die. What did she add? Touch it. What? Why, is she, why did she add that? See, guys, even Eve is being sloppy. There was a very specific instruction that was laid out. And even Eve, as she was hearing it, was took, changed it just a little bit. Guys, truth matters. That's not what he said. And as we look at what's wrong with this world, it has to be that we look at Genesis chapter 3 and we say at least one of the things 
But it's true that's wrong with this world is that we have lost truth and it doesn't matter anymore. Well, verse four, the serpent has his response. He says, no, you will certainly not die. The serpent said, in fact, catch how ironic that is. In fact, no, 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 I'm going to tell you, he's not right, is not what he said. In fact, I'm saying, I'm the one that has the fact, and here's what it is. Do you see what he's doing there? He's emphatic. This is, this is very strong. This is, this is where we, we get tripped up right here. And the enemy is coming in saying, I know. God knows that when you eat of, your, uh, you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. This is strong words. So if his first strategy is to twist and doubt, his second strategy is to defy and lie. Defy. He's defying God's authority and he's lying. Saying, in fact, I know what, to, what, what is true here. And here is one of the saddest things. Verse 6, Adam and Eve took the bait. They took the bait. The woman saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at. And that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate it. She also gave some, of her, some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Guys, the very thing that God said don't do, they did it. It's because them it was good for all the right reasons it was delightful and desirable you experience that in your life you know exactly that this is not what you're supposed to be doing but the thought comes through your mind and mine by the way i know i'm not supposed to do that but what's the echoing oh no it, it'll be good i really want that it's good it's delightful. Oh, it's so desirable. Man, I, I'm going to talk to you here just for a second. Do you notice where Adam is here? Guess, guess, wh where's Adam in the story? Yeah, with her. Here's another way to frame this. He's sitting on the couch with the remote in his hand. Right? He's going, yeah, yeah, you want apple? Yeah, that's good. All right, good. Guys, did you know that this stereotype did not come from sitcoms and movies? It came from right here in the beginning of creation. Men were so easy to land right in this and just kind of let things happen. What should Adam have done instead? Or what should Eve have done? Either of them. I want you to think in your mind. Let's just say you were there. What could, there's, there's so many possibilities here. Think in your mind, what could have happened instead? Let me, let me, let me throw out a couple. They could have paid attention. They were given specific instructions. 
Adam had just gotten done watching all of these animals parade past him. He's going, giraffe, elephant, aardvark. You know, it's like, this is epic. And then all of a sudden there's a woman here. He's like, whoo And it's like, and all of a sudden, you know, God's doing all this incredible things. And he's going, boom, and boom, and all this is happening. And then the serpent comes up and starts going, hey, you know what? They're like, okay. <laughs> pay attention. Guys, pay attention. Girls, pay attention. All of us, we need to pay attention. Adam and Eve, pay attention. They could have said no. Serpent, you know, did God really say that? No, that's not what he said at all. No. They could have crushed the snake. Like, dude, wrong. <laughs> they could have been content and said, yeah, I know. I mean, I mean maybe there's some confusion about the instruction here, but, you know, but look at this place. We get to enjoy all this. Who cares about that tree over there? God is so good to us. Do you know what it could have been? You know what? The, this, is, this is the worst part. This is what they could have done, and this is what they should have done. Serpent, do you know that this, did he really say? I don't know. Hang on. God, hey, I got a question. Um, he's right there. He's in the garden with them. Hey, Lord, um, this uh, serpent, I don't know, snake thing is uh, telling me some things. I'm kind of confused. Will you just tell me what's going on? Um, and I think at that point, God would have said, um, no, that's wrong. They just watch the king of the universe create everything. He's right there. Ask him, reach out. And the most profound, deeply epic tragedy happened at this point when they ate that apple. Sin entered the world. How does that practically happen? I, I, but sin Everything that they did, the choices that they made, we have now inherited, and it went to everything and everyone, and we are now part of the exact same curse of being a part of sin has taken over everything. Romans 5.12, Paul said this, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world, and through and Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. That's bad news. And I want you just to see, now we're, we're going to blitz through just a little bit of the rest of the text, um, 7 through 22. I want you to see the, the seven different things that happened because of this. Look at this in verse 7. And at that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Shame. When the cool evening breezes were blowing and the man and the wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden, so they hid from the Lord God among the trees. And the Lord called, them, called to the man, where are you? And he replied, well, I heard that you were walking in the garden, so I hid. Shame. I was afraid because I was naked. Shame. Who told you that you were naked? Shame. The Lord God asked, have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I command you not to eat? And the man said, it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit, and I ate it. And the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? The serpent deceived me. She said, that's why I ate it. The second one is blame. Do you see that? We're not able to take responsibility for anything. 
So we're all ashamed. We're all ashamed. We're all hiding. We're all trying to, like, it's these people's fault. It's my upbringing. It's the things that happened to me. We're blame. Look at this next one, verse 16. Then he said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy, and then in the pain you will give birth. And in pain you will give birth. This is pain that enters in specifically through childbirth, but through every aspect of who we are. Pain is a big deal. And you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule always over you. Bottom line, wrong desires. We want, we, there's wrong desires for wrong kinds of things. Verse 17, and to the man he said, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. All of your life, you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you. Work will be hard. There's four. Work will be hard. Though you will eat of its grains, by the sweat of your brow will you have food to eat until, the, until you return to the ground from which you were made. You're going to die. There's five. Death. You're going to return to the ground. And so the Lord God banished them from the garden of Eden. Separation from God is the last one, six. I, I said seven, there's six. Separation from God. And he sent Adam out to cultivate the ground from which he had been made. These are epic repercussions of this decision that was made when sin entered the world. Blame, shame, pain, wrong desires, hard is, work is hard, death, separation from God. This is bad, 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 bad news. Let's go back to our question. What's wrong with this world? The answer? It's inhabited with people like you and me, the sinful people. What's wrong with me? sin in my heart. That's what's wrong with me. There's a famous writer, G.K. Chesterton. He had a 1910 article in the Times newspaper. Um, the, the authors were asking a question, asking this very question. What's wrong with this world? Well, he decided to write in. He said, dear sirs, what's wrong with the world? I am yours truly. G.K. Chesterton. He's saying, you're asking the question what the problem is? He's saying, I'm the problem. He's right, isn't he? We're all the problem. We all have our own selfish desires. We're all doing things the way we want to. So we're going to ask the question of what is sin? Not a very fun topic to talk about. What is sin? Oh, that's great. What a great topic tonight at Salkanda. Um, you know, you guys, plenty of you grew up in different environments where you probably had answers to this. Um, some of you grew up with this one. Well, I haven't killed anybody. Right? You know, I'm still married and I haven't killed anybody. Um, one of our family members, well, I don't smoke and I don't drink and I haven't killed anybody. That's like the definition of it, right? I, I've heard that so many times from people. It's like, not those things. Um, here's another one. Um, R-rated movies, tattoos. Right? I mean, oh, you went to an R-rated movie? That's, oh, that's sin. Like, somehow we have this definition of, like, there's some certain bar someplace along the line, and you've crossed it, and I haven't, right? Um, oh, you don't recycle? Oh, Okay, Ankeny, I mean, holy cow, if you've not, see, you see that, that can in that garbage can? No, 
No, it goes over here. Right? There's just some, for some reason, we've crossed some kind of sin line. Recycling. Uh, I also just learned this one yesterday. Saying anything negative about Texas. <laughs> right? Matt, I mean, that was the definition I got. So let, let's go after that. Here we, here we go. Any decision against the design of God. Anything that goes against the design of God. It's a choice or a decision. You know you're not supposed to do this, but you make that choice. That is a choice. That is a definition. By definition, sin. But there's actually there's one deeper than this, though. And we're going to talk about this. Um, it's the nature of who we are. It's a disposition. It's a, it's, a, it's a nature. We call it a sinful nature. And in, and in many respects, it's a sickness. We call that the sinful nature. So let me just, let me just illustrate this. Um, if I were to say, here's a line right here, don't cross it. And you go, well, it's like, there's something in that, right? Like, like you ever, you, you know, grow up or have a siblings or friends, you're like, don't touch me. You're like, right? There's just something within us that if you tell me I'm not supposed to do something and I do it, that's wrong. But there's something worse than that, isn't there? If I tell you not to do that, you get like something bubbling up in you. You're like, I just kind of want to. That is the sickness. Here's another illustration. We have a car that um, has been very, 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 very annoying to me, and it's currently sitting in my, um, my house, and we're going to sell it. And there's all these things wrong with it, okay? And so um, we're going to put it on, on Facebook Marketplace, and uh, I, I, I will say on there, as I'm, as I'm wrestling to type this out, if I said perfect car, you're like, that's a lie. You just totally sinned. That's, you can't do that. But you know there's a deeper problem with this, though, is that as I will write this tomorrow morning, I will wrestle in my soul with being honest. Why? Why? It's got a recycled, but it's fine, but it's fine, it's fine. <laughs> That's the sickness in the soul, is that I kind of want to get away with something. Because why? I kind of want a little bit more money than it's worth. And I kind of just want to finagle things so that I benefit for my benefit. But it's wrong. It's categorically wrong. Sin is a decision and a sickness. Guys, um, literally 30 years ago, um, I, was, I was some of your age, maybe just a little bit older. But it was literally um, at the retreat that Jesus said, you're sick, bro. You have a sickness and you have a problem. And so I've lived, I lived 20, 22 years of my life just letting the sickness just do whatever it wanted to. And so I was trying to figure out the sickness and why that was all happening. And so I, I gave it into relationships and immorality and in money and in buying things and in doing things. And I played guitar for the majority of my life. Why? Because I want people to notice me. I'm going to come out here, I'm going to do the kick thing, and I want, you know, I'm going to learn how to be on stage. Because why? I had a sickness in my heart that I wanted you to notice me. That's the problem. Now, it's not categorically wrong to be good at guitar. That's not my point. The point is that it was deeper. It was something underneath it that needed to be noticed. 
I want you to notice me and say, you're awesome. That's not right. That's not the way God has designed us to be. And so I lived for 22 years. So literally since I was 22, I've been trying to undo that sickness in my own soul. But it was that same retreat 30 years ago that I, that I realized God is holy, God is perfect. And I wasn't. What's the problem with the world? I am. Here's, what's, here's the problem with our culture is that we really don't want to talk about this, do we? We don't want to talk about the sickness. We don't want to call it what it is. Even in my marriage with my wife, my wife is sitting back there. Um, we've been through counseling because it's really hard for me to say that I'm wrong. It's really hard to talk about that I did something wrong. Because that, you know, that, that hurts. That's, that's revealing. That's, that's vulnerable. And we'd rather pick up some kind of self-help book and figure out this stuff ourselves. Because I feel so broken. So I'm, I'll just find some self-help book and like do like what a child does. Like, hey, can I help you tie your shoe? No, I do it. Right. Kids, you know, kids do that. Or the adult version, which is don't tell me what to do. Right. And when I have that kind of disposition, you know what I just did? I became the exact same as Adam and Eve. Don't tell me what to do. I'm going to do whatever I want. If someone's going to question the authority, I'm going to do whatever I want. We, um, we all kind of want to live it up. You've ever thought this? I, w- I want to live it up. I'll deal with that later. I'll deal with that on my deathbed, or I'll deal with that when I get married, right? Problem is, that's not a good way to do this. Here's why. You would never think that way about a physical sickness, would you? Someone came in and said, um, hey, I was just at, uh, this is a true story. Yesterday morning, I was with my buddy who's in his early 40s, and he's got stage 4 cancer. And he wouldn't say, ah, I'll deal with that later. I got too much fun to have. Why? There might not be a later, and the sickness is destroying him from the inside out. Sin is doing the exact same thing, destroying you from the inside out. It's going to destroy the people around you. It's going to destroy everything that is good that you know. That's what's wrong with the world. And you'll experience shame. You'll blame others. You'll experience pain, but ultimately... Um, you'll do what the scriptures say in Romans chapter 6, verse 23. The wages of sin, death. And the Bible speaks very clearly about this death and this separation. It's hell. And I don't like that. I don't, that's not a fun thing for me to think about or talk about. But it is the reality of where we are and how God views us. We need help and we need it now. So what is the full story? We've been talking about the story of everything. This is the story of what's really wrong with the world. But when we back out and we look at the totality of the scriptures and we look at the totality of the story, what we see is that this really, 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 really bad news has really great news because Jesus, you guys have heard it and talked about it all during the retreat, Jesus came to take care of this. Romans 5.8 is this. But God proves his own love for us that while we were still sinners, while we were still in our sickness, Christ died for us. He died for us. And he paid a price that we should have paid. Next week, Joe's going to unpack this. We're going to look at what does that really look like to see the gospel kind of flow out? What is, that, what is that sacrifice? Why did that have to happen that way? Why, what did he mean Jesus died? Why does that even matter for the sickness? We're going to unpack that next week. 
But guys, I know that there, there are perhaps two different audiences here, and, and I just want to speak really clearly, and then, w- then we can be done. Um, guys, I know that there are some of you that are av- asking these deep questions right now, and you s- you're like, man, I don't even know about this whole Jesus thing, but, um, but I, I'm curious, right, because I, I do see something that's wrong with the world. I want to say, first of all, great job being here. Ask all your questions. All the staff and everybody here and all the leaders, you ask the hard questions, okay? Because figuring out this sickness is absolutely critical today. That you learn it, to figure out why, why do I feel shame? Why, why do I blame others? Why do I have so much pain in my life? And all those things are symptoms of a sickness. And decisions that you're making are not probably lining up with what God has said is the true design that he talked about last week. It's not lining up. And God wants for you to learn the design, to walk in a way that is free, is freeing. And I love Jesus' words in Mark 2, 7. When Jesus heard all this, he told them, it is not those who are well who need a doctor, but those who are sick. I didn't come to call the righteous, but the sinners. Do you see the connection there? Sinners are the sick ones. We are the sick ones. Here's my challenge to you. If you are not in this, if you don't believe in Jesus quite yet, here's my challenge to you. Call the doctor. Call the great doctor. Call the great physician. He would love to show you what it looks like to be healed of the sickness that you have. I did that in my senior year, like I told you before. And some of you did it this last weekend. Great job. Great job. If you have any questions about how to do that, ask a question. It's awesome. But for those of you that are believers here, um, guys, the sickness has been cured. Jesus is the cure. But do you find that the war wages in your soul still? Do you still feel the sickness? I do. Here's why. 1 Peter 5.8. Be sober-minded. Be alert. Be alert. Your adversary The devil is prowling around like a roaring lion. I mean, a serpent. Looking for anyone who can devour. Do you know what he's doing? He's tempting you to twist and doubt God's truth. That is still happening. He wants to twist and doubt God's truth. He's he's trying to defy and lie about God's goodness in your life. And he's tricking you into thinking that sin is good, delightful, and desirable. He's tricking you. Everything we said about Adam and Eve, I'm going to say to you, pay attention. Pay attention to the truth that God is presenting to you. Tell the enemy no. Ask God for help. Don't battle this way, battle this way. We sang it earlier, the battle belongs to you. On my knees, my hands up to high, oh God, the battle belongs to you. That's what they should have done, and that's what we can do. And then be grateful for what you have. Guys, here's a last quote from Paul Tripp, New Morning Mercies. Sin causes me to ignore God's existence and his rightful claim in every area of my life because God is not in his rightful place in my living that is at the center of it all, I then insert myself in that place. And my life becomes all about me. I reduce my focus down to the small space 
of my wants, my needs, and my feelings. And in ways that really do shape my living, I make it all about me. The desire of my heart are gobbled up by my ease, my comfort, my pleasure, and my success. I want what I want, and when I get what I want, I am happy. Same charge to you and to me. Call the doctor. Call the one who loves you and cares for you. The sickness has been cured, but the battle is going on. Call the doctor. Recall out to him and say, Lord, I don't want to be deceived any longer. Sin does appear to me that way. It is, does appear to me to be good and desirable. But I know it's a trap. Twisting and doubting and defying and lying what is true. What's wrong with the world? Sinful people live in it. What's wrong with me? Sinful things live in me. The solution? Jesus paid it all, guys. He's our living hope. I'd love to pray that God would plant this in our souls.